0: The Emily T. Gale Show on ESPN, Hawaii.com, also uh, iTunes. You can get the show at iTunes Free Podcast and Emily T. Gale Talk Story on Facebook. It's out there. I I really appreciate the response I get from people. We talk a lot about Hawaii and Detroit, and Detroit's my hometown, and Hawaii is my home here. And I, I just... Been really reflecting on the show that uh, we're going to air tonight. It's a talk story from uh, this summer. And for some reason, I I just kept kind of holding off running it. It just was a really important show to me, and I wanted to be able to describe why. And after uh, going to the Waimea Film Festival, Waimea Ocean Film Festival, where a lot of films were were shown and created by people here in Hawaii, but showing the history of, of different aspects of Hawaii life and Hawaiian culture uh holo holo paniolo uh, wonderful history of of the paniolo and cowboys in hawaii and and then uh the hokalea sam low the navigators all, all these show that about the polynesian voyaging society and uh, just there's so much history to maybe realize how much history i have here in hawaii too somebody the names that were in the films were people like wow i i know them i didn't realize that's where their life pieces into history and and that's what I love about about what's going on for me in Detroit now is I'm in touch with so many people from the 70s and 80s when a whole lot of us were doing a whole lot of good things and, and people continued to. And this show is with Larry Austin, the team leader at Whole Foods Detroit. Whole Foods Detroit has the Say Nice Things About Detroit Um uh, on their, their wall, when you walk in, the, the, the movement, I like to say that Herb and I started back in the 70s in Detroit. And nice to see that it's alive and well, thanks to a whole lot of people. And Larry Austin, so I sat with Larry. Second time I've, I've sat with him a couple years ago when they opened. We had a nice talk. I was with Mary Chapman, a friend of mine, journalist and writer in Detroit. And this time I was with Julie... Atkinson Fountain and Julie worked with me at Emily's and, and just such a teammate and we, so many alumni, people that worked at Emily's are, are getting in touch with me and people that came into the store and where their lives have gone is really interesting. We all had a a core love of the city and it continues. I just I love the stories that I'm hearing from people and hopefully I'm going to spend more time uh sharing more stories about Detroit. I do all the time uh with different people but just keep adding more to it. So, I like this cuz I hadn't seen Julie for like 30 years and i picked her up and we drove into detroit and you know, all i ran all my errands this was last summer and then we went and met up with uh, larry and sat outside and just the past julie and i from the past and we're a big part of the present and then larry and how he feels about detroit and it just it just makes me realize both here and in hawaii it's it's wonderful to be a part of the the history and recognize it and recognize uh, how we all play a part. Whatever it is we do every day, we're (laughs) we're creating our own history and a part of somebody else's. So this is uh, Larry Austin, team leader at Whole Foods Detroit, Been a very successful uh, opening. In fact, their president, uh, uh, Mr. Rob, I believe it is, has announced that they're looking for a second location in Detroit. And Julie Atkinson Fountain, and we've been in touch a whole lot, and I've been able to find out what Julie's been doing for 30 years, and after we had this talk, and. Uh, it's a—it's amazing how much the foundation of our love and working on behalf of the city of Detroit, not for the city of Detroit, but as a, a part of Emily's across the street and the Emily Detroit runs, and how strong that bond is with so many people that worked at Emily. So I'm gonna get with more of the those alumni because we've met when I've been in Detroit, we've talked, we've stayed in touch, and it—and it, I just I love connecting history and being a storyteller. So in their own way and with myself, uh, the three of us tell a little little history of Detroit right here. History and present day. See Emily T. Gale's show here on com. I'm at one of my regular stops where I stop to get something to eat when I'm in downtown Detroit, and that is Whole Foods Detroit with Larry Austin, who's the, the team leader and I talk about Larry a lot, and I talk about Whole Foods a lot uh, since I made my first visit here a couple years ago when they opened. So, Larry, thank you for joining me, taking some time out of your busy, busy day. Yep, no worries. Thank you for stopping in. Yeah, Yeah. and also with me is uh, Julie Fountain. Julie worked with me 30 years ago at Emily's across the street. She ran our plant store and so much more. And I've I've had uh, past employees come out of the work work over the last two summers, which is is always nice. And Larry and I were talking about that. It's nice when you hear from past employees and they have
1: good memories, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's important to build good relationships. And you know, sometimes we choose different paths in life. And you know, as long as people are pursuing what they want to do, is it's a beautiful thing, and it's good to catch up with people and know they're doing well.
0: Now, speaking of that, I've been talking about slow roll, and people posted so many pictures after I was there the other day. I got such a warm welcome from everybody, from Jason Hall, who started the slow roll in Detroit all the, every Monday night, and they haven't on some Saturdays and some Thursdays, but I was with about three or 4,000 bicyclists the other night as we went through Eastern Market and all through Indian Village and all oh, these sections of Detroit, and I was talking to Larry about it, if he gets involved, and he said, yeah, Jason and Jason, oh, I used to work for him at, at one of the stores. Which yeah. one was that? Yeah,
1: he worked at the West Bloomfield Whole Foods back in the day. Yep, He's, he worked there. I can't remember what department. It's been like years um, we worked mm. together there. And I, I, I'm not even sure if I was in store leadership at that time. We worked together, and now uh, Yeah. It was good to see him down in Detroit doing his thing and giving back, you know, through the bikes and promoting health and things in that way. So and what's really cool. nice
0: is that it was an opportunity for the two of you to work together, and you've been involved with with the Slow Roll and giving them some support when they're doing projects.
1: Yeah, Heather, our marketer, she's really passionate. She loves Slow Roll, so she had an opportunity to do something with them last year. They had a, a big event at Eastern Market, and so she uh, was involved. And so it was really cool to get a chance for her to... Uh, Give back and also just you know express our passion, but also help the community So it was really cool
0: and what's uh, you know Detroit is pretty proud of Jason right now because he created slow roll with a handful of uh, he and Mike McCool McCool uh, handful of their friends and, and Jason had actually moved away from the city and then he came back mm-hmm. and when he came back he happened to get on a bike and he says, oh I just discovered Detroit in a whole different way. It is playful yeah. uh, when you're on a bicycle and that's what got him into starting these little tours around town with a handful of people, 20, 30, 40 people and then it was 100 and then yeah. it was a couple hundred and then it's, it's grown to thousands now every Monday night. So, and I'm amazed when I'm downriver how many people tell me they've come in to
1: Detroit to come to the Whole Foods. Oh yeah, i Oh, my goodness, yeah. we Actually, I get, that's probably one of the most requested um, areas that we get feedback about wanting to get a store Downriver. People always say, we need a store Downriver, we need a store. I mean, I, I hear it all the time. I get stopped, I get emails, I get calls. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get a lot of that. So, yeah, customers, and, so they, they come They come to check it out. And
0: and speaking of that, I mean, is there a certain amount of footage that a Whole Foods needs when they're opening a store, or does it depend on the locale?
1: Yeah, I, I think it would depend on, you know, location and things, what's available. But, uh-huh. I, you know, again, I don't really deal with the Construction piece, so right. I'm more. I do the operations. So, how close yeah.
0: do you think they are to doing something downriver?
1: I don't just yeah. out of curiosity. I, mean, I, they, I don't even know, you know, the thing about Whole Foods, like, we don't we never know. Um, like on my level, I won't know until it gets announced publicly. So, I will, I'd never know in the stores if I listen to our earnings call and then I hear, Oh, we're getting up. Uh, uh, new site, but we, we don't know as, just as well as you don't. Know. We find out when you find out. Well,
0: yeah. it's Larry Austin who is the team leader, what they call the person that is in charge of everybody, the whole foods, and leads the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. And you look at that. Look How at people know? come up and they give them a hug. <laughs> right? I love Where's it. <laughs> 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 and see, everybody loves Larry, everybody loves Whole Foods. and But there are some, a little bit of exceptions to that, in that when you worked at the Ann Arbor store, you've been with Whole Foods, what, 12 years? 15 years. You were at the Ann Arbor store, the Bloomfield Hill store, and you always had a dream of, of a Whole Foods store in Detroit. So, talk about how that dream was there, you know, why it was in your heart and just the feeling you had as you realized you were going to be the team leader to, to open up here in downtown Detroit in Midtown.
1: But, well, I think, you know, the, the beautiful thing about this store is it was such a collective vision from so many people. I mean, when you talk about the conversation that me and Red Elk Banks had 15 years ago where we talked about, man, it would so cool to have a store like this in Detroit. And then when you, you know, forward to our regional team, all of our leadership saying, hey, what's next for the region? What do you guys and we talk about building stores in cities like Detroit and, um, you know, as you see, Inglewood, Chicago was coming up in 2016 and um, then you get the CEO comes to town and just falls in love with the city and wants to start tackling the issues of accessibility and affordability and it was such a collective energy um, that bought the store which made it so cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's this store is such a, such a collaborative effort, like, no one person can say this is my, you know, it's all of our yeah. baby, you know what I'm saying? We all put our heart and soul into it so i mean as soon as i found out it was coming i was just overjoyed to get the opportunity because um you know when we started talking about it, i wasn't a store team leader at the time so i didn't know if i would be in store leadership at that time or not but thankfully i am and uh you know i was just over, i was just excited you know i you know i you know i hung out in detroit as a youngster and you know i came to the city and you know in elementary in the late 80s we would come down for our yearly trip for the sixth grade it was always to come to the tiger game and go to Park plaza and spend a day in detroit that's at the end of the year like every sixth grader that went to our school in ann arbor that was how we ended the year you know so i think that we all got tied to detroit and being down here i really meet and even throughout my company when the store opened how many people from across the country like went to wayne state or grew up in detroit or the parents worked in the auto industry is just so many people this city means so much to so many people so i'm just honored to be here i mean it's such a blessing the community is awesome I mean, it's such a, I mean, you see the energy in the store, you feel it, the community come, people hang out here, they meet here, uh, it's just It's just been great, I just, you know, I'm not just saying that because I work here, I really love this store and I love the people in it, I love the team members, I love the way the communities reacted to us and the way they treat us and, you know, how thankful they are to have a store like this in the city and it's just been great. It and, really has. and
0: Larry Austin, team leader here at uh, at the Whole Food Store in Detroit Midtown area, how how long has it been? Three three years now? Since two and a half open, or two years?
1: This yeah. Yeah. No, it's only been open. Uh, we opened two June summers or, ago. No, it's only been for uh, fourteen months. Oh really? Fifteen months? Yeah. So when we been, first set out here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's only been like 14 right. months. It seemed like a long time, yeah. right? But it's been a few years since we started working in the store. Right. So I, that work started about, well, you know, two years before Really, we actually, the community
0: oh. liaison or the community relations, yeah. and you know, you're talking about going down to Hard Plaza. I mean, it's an incredible place where so many festivals were. This week is the Detroit Jazz Festival. Yeah, There'll yeah. be probably a million people come through the city over the next couple of days. Yeah. And you're taking care of all the musicians and, yeah. and things like that, the, the kind of outreach that you have and supporting events in the city like you did with Jason with the slow roll. But I guess a couple of stories, that, you know, the couple of days that I've been coming in here each day... And, one day I was walking in, and a lady walked across. she said, go, Emily? Emily Gail?
1: <laughs> she
0: said, I, fr- I I friended you. I sent you to be my friend on Facebook a while ago. And her name was uh, a- a Gail Usery, I think it was. Okay. But that kind of stuff is so much fun. And then yeah. Mary Chapman, who you yeah. and I talked with. Mary writes for the New York Times, and she stops she here regularly. She lives right down on Woodward. Yeah. And-, and we all did a show uh, 14 months ago, I yeah, guess yeah. it was. Yeah. And so I sent her... I- pulled into the parking lot here the other day and I sent her a text are you at the tiger game she said no just walking into Whole Foods store and I said me too (laughs) we stood in and had our little rendezvous over here in the aisle (laughs) for a long time but it's it is a gathering spot but more importantly You know, people were starved for a good supermarket, not just convenience stores in the city of Detroit. And it's evident by the traffic that comes in and out of here and how happy people are and getting a meal. Like we came in from, we were in Redford, picked Julie up, and we said, let's go to Whole Foods, get a bite to eat, talk with Larry. It's it's everything for people. It's not just a place to get their groceries, but it is a place to meet people. It's a place to have a a quick bite to eat. Look at the bikes in that bike rack over there. I mean, that's a constant... Turnover of bikers coming down with their their urban bikes and their mm. baskets on it. So talk about that. All the different ways people people are walking to the store, yeah, I mean, taking all, the
1: bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, I mean people get any way they can. I mean you see we got the construction going on, but customers are still making their way here. You know they're getting ready to put the M1 rail uh-huh. system in on Woodward. Sure. so You see all the cones and everything that's happening, but. I mean, we're right in a community where people do a lot of walking and biking, and uh, so it's funny, I saw some people pull up on a pedicab last week, you know, so they got the pedicab in sure. Detroit now, so yeah. that was pretty funny to see a couple pull up, and a guy rode up on a pedicab, and he went shopping. Came yeah. back out and he took them, pedaling back to wherever they was going. So yeah, people can hear all kinds of ways, you know. So
0: that's yeah, great. We had a version of that many years ago at Emily's across the street, but the guy pulled it. Oh,
1: okay. It,
0: it pulled the cart, and I can remember we took Tommy Hearns down to Hard Plaza. In, oh, really? in, in, rick, wow. in the rickshaw. Oh, okay. we, <laughs> we took him down. We did a mock weigh-in. Okay. For uh, one of his fights that was coming up. Oh, cool. Very in cool. fact, I was in the old Chilley the other day, and the new owner was sitting at the end of the bar, and everybody introduced to me, this young kid named Skip. And as we were leaving, I went up to him and I said, "Skip, is there any way?" that you bought this or that you knew that one of the old owners, John, mm-hmm. I used to come in every Friday night with my tambourine and, and we also set up uh, Tommy Hearn's Workout's here in the old Chillaily, which oh, cool. for those of you that don't know, it's uh, right near Greek town, but it's a real old-time Irish bar. Mm-hmm. We reinforced the first floor, put the ring up in the second floor, so people could come in and buy a jug of beer. It was all sw- get all sweaty while Tommy was working out. It was hot and everything, but just all kinds of fun things. And uh, boxing's coming back in the city nicely. Yeah, cool, oh, very good. But uh, as far as Whole Foods, now you're doing you know classes. You're so active. Your newsletters, the things that you're doing, educating people about. You were just talking about I said, what's your favorite food here? And you said bison. Yeah, yeah. You know, so people are learning a lot about how to eat. And when we got our pizza, we asked uh, the gentleman that was serving the pizza, what's your favorite? And he said, I, I eat the vegan. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, everybody's learning a lot, aren't they? And yeah. at the same time, a lot of people are pretty savvy about what's healthy.
1: It's, it's, you know, I think this has been pretty much one of the, my biggest things that I've learned. Detroit is really a health-conscious town more than people believe i mean we it's so many we learned a lot you know what i'm saying not only are you know it's our job as you know you know operators we love to educate we love to talk about food and you know natural foods and health and but you know i've learned so much from the customers here you know about how they shop and it's like i'll say like the sweet kale salad and the prep foods is like one of the hottest items we can keep it on the shelf you know what i mean and um it's just been awesome to like hear detroiters really talk to us about who they are instead of what the media says or what yeah. everybody portrays Detroit as. It's, it's been amazing, like just the range of people like we meet down here in the store and just what they into. But yeah, I mean, we we our, our job is to educate. We talked about that. We committed to that. We still have our teaching center on Woodward Avenue that we built. a cool, Dr. Cool Wilbright's running that. And um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the commitment. We won't stop that. She got classes starting up in September again. And Talk about um, that a little bit. What some of the classes are and just tons of I mean classes on um, you know she, she'll have doctors come in from you know that believe in natural healing and food and uh-huh. um, you know she just talks about pretty much the you know the health starts here stuff we talk about uh, healthy fats and nutrients and foods and the lean meats plant strong uh-huh. um, those kind of things uh, that's what she uh, cool, really stresses you know because you know food is medicine you know she kind of talks about yeah. you know, preventative things and. Uh, it's just so. It's just so many different things we do. I mean, our chefs from inside the store—they'll go over and do cooking demos, vegan, vegetarian. I'm sorry, vegan breakfast, vegetarian breakfast, or just lean meats and breakfast. I mean, there's so many things that they do uh, out of the cooking classroom. You know, and her class has just grown and grown and grown and grown. You know, and then watching people get healthy and come and tell cool. Oh, I lost 40 pounds, or I lost 30 pounds. Isn't that yeah, I was there one day, and people just stand up giving testimonies about what they're giving. Like a guy talking about having a tailgate party and now doing it with, you know. Uh, like vegan cheeses and uh-huh. you know and lean meats and you know uh, instead of the old you know way that we tailgate and so it was just it's just cool to hear like just the way that she's really grown cool has done an amazing job the way she's grown with the community um, just she just connects with people she's just amazing she's passionate about what she does about food and uh, she's the real deal. So uh, it's, just, it's just awesome to see what she's done in Detroit. You know? Well,
0: Larry Austin, team leader here at Whole Foods in, in Detroit, downtown Detroit, a section called Midtown. I'm looking at their truck right here. It says, Whole Foods, Detroit, proud to be here. And they have the Say Nice Things About Detroit. My yes. old uh, campaign, I, movement is what I like to say, <laughs> called the movement, uh, up on the wall. And Larry got his T-shirt. Did it fit all right? Yes, yes. All right.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> I get, I'll get a picture for you. Okay, yes. great.
0: And uh, But, you know, as I sit here and look at your smile, I just everybody can see your smile and see and feel your enthusiasm. It makes me kind of teary because <laughs> I, I know how proud you are and you yeah. should be. And I, I know it was 14 months ago, as you say, when you opened. It seems like it's been forever. The impact that it's made in the city. Yeah. But at the same time, um, when you did come here and you you were out in the community in a real big way before you opened, people were pretty excited. I don't think people realize how much a city like Detroit was lacking places where people could go shopping. It was and it was very difficult for them to get healthy food now is combined with all kinds of the vacant lands mm-hmm. that are now uh, vegetable gardens mm-hmm. or even downtown. And right. and so, like you say, they knew, they know what they want and for these opportunities to be happening is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to choices because I think, one of, you know, another thing that that I realized, that there is places to shop in Detroit. You know, it's just I think there's just a niche for everybody. We, we didn't feel like uh, we felt that there was a opportunity for our unit down here, not that there wasn't sufficient you know i think that we add to the city um mm-hmm. what was already happening here there are a lot of places. eastern market is an amazing place to get right. fresh vegetables and fruits on the weekends and uh, you know so um yeah but we just you know again we just happy to play a part just be a part of what's already happening all the great things that's happening in the city you know
0: well that's nice of you to say about all the other places but i did live in the city and julie you, julie lived in west village yeah. and and uh, so we, you know, while there were supermarkets there, it, it, the Whole Foods adds a different element. Just being able to come in and grab something and eat, you know, the picnic tables out mm-hmm. front, Yeah. you know, so those kind of things make it a little different yeah, from the others. Yeah. And I, not only that, I think what they're doing is it's it's kind of inspiring others to realize it because I've seen some tables out in front of yeah. places. Awesome! That's it's inspiring right. other places to kind of do similar things and realize, oh, people will do that. Yeah. They'll come down for lunch, and it isn't just about grocery shopping. Yeah, absolutely. So Larry, as team leader. At Whole Foods, what do you know about Detroit that you d- didn't know before? You know, as a kid, or just even as an adult, now that you're actually running one of the the businesses that's making such a difference in the city, what what are some of the, the high points that you just couldn't have imagined?
1: You know, I mean, I mean, I've always had a love for the city. You know, I think that probably my biggest le- my biggest lesson or um, the thing that I- I say I enjoy the most, or that I've taken in the most, is just the spirit of the city. You know, it's just such. It's really unfortunate the way the city is uh, perceived. Uh, you know, in media and everything and all that is just not a reflection of the people at all, like at all. You know, and I think that that is. Uh, you know, it, it teaches you a lot about uh, just responsibility that we have as reporting and media and everything and really getting to know people, you know, and not just saying from afar, like, this is what this is about. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful community with amazing, amazing, caring, loving people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always, I've never had any issues in Detroit, but it's like being here is more intimate. Look at it. And it's just been amazing. Um, just to be a part of it, just to watch and grow with it and learn the community and get to know people around the community. And it's just been great, you know what I'm saying? I would say that's probably the, you know, the biggest, I mean, I knew it, but it's just to see it, you know, this intimately and this close has just been pretty amazing. That's
0: a wonderful choice of words. It makes me teary to hear you say that because all day long when I'm here, I just, there's so much love and and joy and people are happy and, and, you know, Julie, I, was, I said, Julie, I'll come pick you up and we'll go I'll run my, do the things I'm doing today and we'll go different places. Yeah. And, and she was such a big part of the city. She lived in West Village, yeah. lived in the whole area, used to take care of the plants at the Rens Center and took care of our plant store. Yeah. So, Julie, as we were, you know, really excited about coming down to Whole Foods yeah. and seeing what What was your feeling as we walk into Whole Foods and Julie Fountain? And-
2: it was a big wow. Because when I lived in Indian Village, West Village, I'd have to go down river to buy groceries. Um, There were markets around, but there wasn't really fresh food. Um, Back in the 70s, organic wasn't such a big deal. Um, Maybe things were more organic at that era, Um, but today um, it's very important. And the choices here are phenomenal, just phenomenal. And I like the detail of um, the recycling uh, bins. Okay, talk about that as we're
0: sitting here and you see it.
2: um, when you come here to eat, um, food's offered up, up in um, plastic or cardboard, and um, there's a very conveniently located bins where you can put cans and bottles, things that go to the landfill, and plastics. And that commitment I just love. That's a fine detail.
0: And, and not only that, they're very fine-looking, recyclable uh, bins, right? Yep. That yeah, people obviously respect and use, and and, and it educates at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's. Uh, I mean, the 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 ripple effect of all the little different things that you're doing. I have to say that I was even surprised to see little packets of salt in there, but I was glad because I'm a salt eater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not like you know, hardcore. This is what we advocate. It's like weaving it into people's lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's all about choices. You know, you you know you. You talk about your message, and you, you you do what you can. But ultimately, people have choices. You know what I mean? Like we don't try to dictate what people do in their lives. We we try to educate and be a part of what people do, but we don't dictate. We don't say don't use salt, don't do that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. really about you know customers make choices. You know, and that's that's their fair right to make choices how they want to eat or what they want to do in their lives. You know.
0: So Larry, every time I go through the line, I ask the person that is you know taking care of me. I say, uh, how how. how how do you like Whole Foods? Or where'd you come from? I mean, the employees—you you had 97 when you started, and you're get yeah. going up to 180 or something. Yeah,
1: over 180. I don't know exactly, but it's over 180. And I mean,
0: what a what a what a testimonial that is! But talk a little bit about some of the backgrounds uh, here on the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPN Hawaii dot com, that people have come from. Because you've got students that now can supplement their income while they're going to school. I mean, all kinds of. Demographics—it's fantastic.
1: It's, I mean, our store is still over 70% Detroit residents uh, working here, so that was important to the community. We want keep, to keep—we want to continue out of that commitment. Um, you know, we want to make sure we give jobs where, the, where there's need for jobs. You know, and uh, that's something we've stuck to. So, I mean, the our team members come from all over. I mean, literally, <laughs> all over the city. You know, what I mean, and uh, yeah, it's been great. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I can say. I mean, it's been amazing to be able to reach out, and you know, once you get people in, team members know team members, and they have friends that want to work, and so they start referrals, and they get their friends jobs, and you say, yeah, yeah. I mean, the team base is far reaching all over Detroit. One time I was sitting here,
0: and I, I might have been with you, but there was a, a family eating out here in the outdoor cafe, and or, you know, get your food and come outside to these great picnic tables, and we got talking, and they said their son was working here, and they were so happy for yeah. it, but they were from one of the suburbs, and I, we stayed, you know kept emails to each other and they sent me emails and they said they they just couldn't believe how happy their son was to yeah. be downtown living downtown working at Whole Foods being a part of the community and that's what people end up feeling they're really part of a, a family of people that yeah. love the city and that's there's always been people that you know generations in every family my family it goes back generations of people that lived in the city and, yeah. and uh, it's so important to give to be able to have jobs for people that That can be part of the city. Now, you had your first visit last night down to the Detroit Jazz Festival? Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, there'll be, as we said, probably a million people over the weekend coming to all the events. It
1: was cool. I mean, uh, you know, I'm usually working on the weekends, so I usually don't, you know, have time to get down. So we uh, got a chance to go down to the uh, opening ceremony and had dinner and everything. It was really nice. The weather was perfect. I mean the vibe was amazing. Tons of people out and uh yeah, it was awesome. You know, we got to sit the campus Campus park for a while, listening taking some jazz, watching on the big screen me and my fiance and Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, getting married in October. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh yeah, we sat down and just had fun. She wants some elephant ears so she stopped got that. And <laughs> it was cool. You know, it was really it was a good vibe, but but you know, it was so cool cuz everybody kept stopping just being like, "Oh, what a great night. What a great vibe." A great fear. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: well, I, I made a visit to the, the mayor's office yesterday, okay. Isaiah uh, McKinnon, who's the deputy mayor. Yeah, yep. He was a cop on the beat when I yep. had my stores. I remember, yep. And uh, I don't know if I sent you the picture of all the guys in the Say Nice Things About Detroit shirts. Okay, we name. used to always provide the shirts to the Detroit policemen when they go to the police Olympics. Okay. And I had one from the 1970s with Isaiah and all the other guys that on the beat and uh, all standing there proudly in their in their shirts. And I sent it to him. Uh, I've kind of stayed in touch with him over the years. He was yeah. the Detroit police chief. And then he uh, taught over at UOD Mercy for 16 years and now the deputy mayor with Mayor Duggan, Mike Duggan. And uh, so when I sent him the picture, he said, I need a new shirt. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I took his new shirt up to him yesterday. And it's, what's so nice is there's so many people with a piece of history that are still involved in the city. And then also all kinds of new people that are now coming in with a new love for the city yeah, and sharing it with others. And uh, Julie still has stayed in the plant business for many years. She used to, say they say, water uh, plants at the Renaissance Center. And you were even talking about the Mazda plant downriver, that you used to water all the plants down there and all the Japanese would bow and all the things. But I'm looking at all of uh, the plants they sell here at Whole Foods, and you're kind of pretty excited about what's going on at Easter Market, the Harjabahani stores and all the things that's happening with...
2: Uh, with plants, yeah, the industry has changed, but um, the love of plants never changes. And uh, there seems to be a resurgence of houseplants again. Um, or people are, want to have plants in their home. Here at Whole Foods, they have gorgeous orchids. I was super impressed with that. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know that um, the plant business is gaining again because it took a hit when the auto industry took a hit, and. Um, There were some surviving um, businesses like Plantera that stayed in business and built a beautiful conservatory in West Bloomfield. Um, So they thrived, and um, there are more new businesses coming, so it's great. And
0: these vegetable gardens that are going up all over the city, the one right down on Michigan Avenue, right in the heart of the city, run by volunteers, and they've got little tables out there like a cafe and uh what what an amazing thing that is that people are putting the time and energy into maintaining these gardens and a lot of the vegetables are going to the food bank and going to where they're really needed
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's awesome i mean that you know the like the uh urban farming scene here is just, just amazing you know what i mean and so uh you know that's, that was uh, one of the things that you know that attracted whole foods uh, to detroit um you know eastern market the urban farming scene and all those It just so it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. It's, yeah. it's, it's all, you know, you think about it, you think of everything like an ecosystem. You know, how can we build something where we all support each other? And, um, yes, it's, it's, it's great to see that that's what they you know, making use of those vacant areas in Detroit. And that's what they continue to do and expand it make it bigger, you know.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure. We missed each other on my last visit last yeah. month. We caught each other for just a few minutes. I think. Uh, yes, ma'am. Larry, I always get that big, warm welcome hug that I love, yeah. <laughs> and of course, that big of smile. Course, of course, and of uh, I couldn't be more proud of the the say nice things about Detroit being the first thing somebody sees when they walk into the store. I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud. I brag about that all the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, we, you would be so amazed at how many people actually stop and take a picture of that. I mean, uh-huh. so many people. Um, you know, because we get so many people from all over the country. You know, uh, just real quick before you go, like I had a guy oh. swing, stop in from, he, he, he's riding his motorcycle across the country and okay. he stopped in Detroit for the first time. He left um, California, he stopped all over the country, then he made okay. a stop in Detroit. He, him and his girlfriend, her wife, and she, they said, you know, this is like the best. Uh, the people here and the community here has just been amazing. They, how they just fell in love with the city and they stopped in front and took a picture by your sign. And it was just really cool. I mean, we get it all the time. People come in, they take a picture of that sign, that slogan. It is know? so cool yeah, to me. Yeah, I wish you could. You should hashtag it or something on Twitter or something, well. Well, we know? Are, Well, that's what uh, Shinola's is doing. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if, I mean, so many people, I'm sure. It all I mean, like, all weaves together
0: nicely. You yeah, know? maybe even one day we'll have you sell the stickers or something. Yeah, of course, I'd love that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Can we talk about that later. Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I would. Are you <laughs> kidding me, man? No, no, I, <laughs> I I, that would be thought. a great idea. I, yeah. I, I you kidding me? That would be the the highlight of keeping. I, here's what I say. Like, you're the caretaker of it by having it up there. Shinola's the caretaker. Mm -hmm. You know, people have said to me, what are you going to do about it? They're doing it. I said, hey as long as they're doing it with the same feeling that we all had, we're all carrying on a movement. Exactly, And that's what it's about. It's just for people that care about why they're saying it. And and that's why you can go anywhere in the world, wherever you visit, wherever you travel, enjoy your life, enjoy where you live, but be an ambassador for Detroit by saying nice things about Detroit.
1: Yeah, I think it's so fitting, too. I mean, just like I told you how I came to this community and learned a lot about the real heart and soul of the people that are really here instead of what the perception is. And I mean, I think that slogan just goes so perfectly with what Detroit really is. You know what I'm saying? Like... When you come here you can't help but to have that reaction. And
0: Detroiters I hear from so many I mean I've gotten for thirty years so many letters and I go and I go find those people, all right. Yeah. I stay in touch with them and somehow a lot of the young people, uh, Andy and Emily Lynn who have City Bird, they came into the stores, kids so five years ago they said, Could we use it? I said, Absolutely, yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. just put my name on it and I'll drive media to you so yeah. you get attention about it. Yeah. And that's the way we're we're sort of treating it. Yeah, is absolutely. If people want to caretake it, you know, in a way that is really beneficial for yeah. everybody and in uh... It has to be It doesn't even have to be It either is or it isn't yeah. Authentic and, and organic and, Yeah, absolutely And that's how you guys Have treated it yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of it And that day that I came here And you took the picture And put it up on Facebook
1: Yeah, absolutely The
0: comments I think there must have been 300 it comments It was so that,
1: cool, yeah Especially to hear all the people Talk about how they grew up Coming to your shop I mean, that was so cool you know I mean, think
0: that, that kind of Gave you some insight Yeah, into yeah Because
1: I, I mean I, You know, I like I said I didn't grow up in Detroit I've come to Detroit as young But I didn't actually Grow up in the city So it was really cool to see I'm sure that was great For you to see, like. People talk about how he went there and he was excited to see you on Absolutely. the Absolutely. And yeah.
0: every, like, Neil Rubin did a really nice story every year. Summer, he does a nice story on yeah. the Detroit News and the comments there are. And when I was at Slow Roll the other night, people taking pictures and posting them. And even Jason and Michael, you know, the re- reception I got from them. Yeah. It's a lot, it just, it means a lot to me. Yeah. And uh, it just shows how the continuity is there. And Jules, you were there when we were all fighting that battle or just even trying to get people to come out of the Penobscot building and come into Emily's across the street. They were afraid. Yeah. Just to Come across the street, so we really had to slug it out, and they're very Loving way, we were also committed. We had big flower pots out in front of the store that Julie would take care of, and every night we would take benches out in the morning, you know, trying to get people to come on out outside and sit and yeah. eat your ice cream. And the city would say, "Well, those aren't up to code," and we'd say, "Well, what's the code?" Well, they didn't have a code, so we just kept putting them out yeah, yeah, <laughs> against yeah, yeah. the code. Yeah, yeah. But
2: that's what really—they loved the flowers. That was such a beautiful spot. The way we put flowers out—yeah, it was beautiful and attracted people. And um, we would have lines out the door for monster ice cream cones, and then people would sit on the benches and um, say hi to everyone. And before we knew it, we had crowds of people coming all the way from the Blue Cross building, which was at least a mile walk, and um, wait in the line, talk to their friends. It was wonderful. And we who say nice things about Detroit are a close-knit breed because there are or were a lot of naysayers. What do you mean you work? In Detroit? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: and um, being familiar with it. Well, you play with nothing chess? to fear. It was wonderful. Yeah. Were you the gentleman that was playing chess
0: inside? Oh, no. No, okay. No. It was so great to see there a couple of people playing chess inside. Okay. Yeah. Like, I can't play chess like No, I bet they'd like to have another player join them sometime. Oh. That was very cool. Yeah, that was uh, we, that, that ice cream line. We started with about five people, ten people a day in the line because nobody, there weren't any ice cream cones anywhere downtown. We had to educate people to. First, they would get cups of ice cream, and their secretaries would take them back to their offices. And then over a period of time, the guys, they'd get in their three-piece suits and wingtips, you know, they'd buy a cup of ice cream, they'd sit on the bench outside. And then pretty soon they realized, wow, there's a lot of pretty girls walking by here. <laughs> 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 and pretty soon it became the place to, to stay. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'll bet you're doing a lot of that yourself as people come in and say, hey... Let's sit out here and eat something yeah. they hadn't thought of yeah. sitting at a cafe in downtown Detroit
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah people I mean people take big advantage of it I mean our cafe is always people out to sitting outside or inside and just enjoying uh enjoying food you know what I'm saying enjoying travel enjoying company I love you know one thing that I really love I, I hear customers say all the time is uh you know I have been i ever since the store come in I've run into people who I haven't seen in years you know what I mean I think that's so cool you know yeah. that you know it's they come in, they shop, and then they, oh my God, I ain't seen you in ten years. I hear it all the time throughout the store. Oh my God, I ain't seen you in five years. Like, when know. I
0: came in the other day, someone was doing that too. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, there's like so many people that come, they just run into people they haven't seen forever. Well, it yeah. is a
0: big city, but it's a, it's a. I always used to say about Detroit, it's a big enough city it makes a difference in the world, and it's a small enough city that an individual can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and that we do our paths cross, and particularly people that care about the city. Yeah. yeah. And I think I got to a place where I was like, I'm not gonna try to convince people who are concerned about it you know try to change their mind actions will change their mind if a little by little they decide to come down and whenever i go downriver anywhere i meet so many people that they come in all the time to yeah. detroit they yeah. love it
1: yeah i think I, you know i i think you know it comes down to intent and heart and just doing things for the right reasons you know i mean i think that eventually long as you you know you come with integrity you're a person of your word. Um, I think eventually the results will come or people will, you know, begin to change and look, I don't, you know, I don't think you enforce people, like you say, you just got to yeah. kind of, you just got to kind of just be you and you got to, you know, have integrity, be honest, be upfront, front and, um, and just follow up with what, what you say you're going to do and I know, you know, our CEO Walter Rob, when we is going through this project, he said, you know, the most important thing is let's be who we say we are and um, yeah. you know, let's commit, be committed to what we say we want to be committed to and you know, I'll carry that every day, you know, and I carry that as a real commitment to the people of Detroit, and, um, that I would give them a, uh, you know, that we would give them a nice shop, a uh, uh, store to shop in, clean, and they would be treated with respect, and great service, and fresh food, and, you know, competitively priced and, you know, so that's something I'll always be committed to while I'm here, you know what I mean, because it's just important. You know?
0: And it's kind of special to me to be sitting here with Larry Austin, the team leader of Whole Foods ter- Detroit that's been open for 14 months, but made an impact like they've been here forever. It's mm. really amazing. And uh, the team leader of 180-plus employees, and also with Julie Fountain, who worked with me at Emily's across the street, ran our plant shop, went over offices. We would put plants in the uh, office buildings, and Julie would take care of them. And she's been a a diehard Detroit lover all her life. And we're reunited, haven't seen each other for 30-some years. But been in touch. She listens to my radio shows, (laughs) and sends
2: notes to me and everything. Avid avid listener. Yeah, (laughs) I enjoy. It's amazing what Emily does, weaving um, sports and say nice things together. And Hawaii to Detroit, She made a wonderful bridge. Thanks, Emily. And
0: I love it because you know so many of the issues that go on in every city are sociological issues, that you know homelessness and and. and housing those aren't unique to Detroit we yeah. have the same issues in in Hawaii I yeah. was telling Julie as we drove over here you know these are all things that every community Edinburgh, has yeah. and who's going to take care of the parks it's a big issue for us in Hawaii should yeah. the state maintain them or the or the county here it's the state or the city the state's taken over yeah. Bell Isle and done a great job yeah. not to everybody's pleasure but to a lot of people's yeah, pleasure yeah. a lot more people are using it so all these issues are they're they're not unique to the city you're living in. Yeah, yeah. In every community, it's happening. Yeah, you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the other thing that's fantastic is I've never come in here that I haven't been able to find a parking lot. You've got overflow parking in the garage, the movement in and out. I mean, how many lo- spots here do you have? Do you have any idea? I, was
1: 86, I think 86, we had 86 spots. It really flows beautifully, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's getting better. I mean, our Saturdays are, uh, you know, I think the flow of the traffic is starting to get better as far as parking. Um, I think people are kinda knowing the times to come shop. You uh-huh. gotta kinda be selective when you come. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's smoothing out a lot. Yeah. It used to be a lot bigger issue, you know, is right? when we first started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just you know, everybody come at the same time. But as you know, as a consumer you find out when you can come and I mean every morning we got people at the door ready to come in. No you know, kidding. What I'm yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So um so I think people are just learning the more patterns. Yeah. And then Saturday you got Eastern Market open, so if you go down there, it's packed, it's crazy down there yeah. right now, you know what I'm saying, so a lot of people go to Eastern Market, then they'll come here afterwards, yeah. and, you know, they get what they can from the farmers, directly local, then they'll come here and get other things that they can't get there, so, sure. great partnership, you know what I'm saying, so yeah, that's well, so what so makes Saturdays far more manageable, more of a spread out flow, yeah. A
0: whole lot of nice things to say about Detroit, and Larry Austin, team leader at Whole Foods, last thoughts to our yeah. listeners?
1: Um, Thank you for coming, Emily. You always yeah. got such a big smile when you're in Detroit. You can tell you're so happy. Yeah, I am. I,
0: I always say I'm home. And yeah, you can H-O-M-E, tell. H-O-M-E, heart of my existence. Yeah,
1: I can tell. Yeah. You, you are cheesing. And,
0: <laughs> and Julie, last thoughts
2: to our listeners here on the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. Hey, it's wonderful to be with Emily. I'm glad that she's home, and I enjoy Detroit, too, and it. It's home to me as well,
0: and I'm so glad you got a chance to meet Larry. So you can stop by and say hello now when you come into Home absolutely. Foods, Detroit. nice to
1: meet you, sister. So nice to meet you. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're all happy campers here. We're Julie and I are going to finish our wonderful pizza that we got because we they always have great tasters around the store. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, tasted some pizza as we were walking to the to the deli counter, and we stopped and got the. The t- what did we get, feta and cheese?
2: Feta and cheese and spinach. Yeah,
0: Delicious. so those tasters work. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Jake, Jake is the pizza man today.
0: So I talked with my next guest oh, about half hour ago, and I've just been thinking about the conversation since we talked. And we were remembering one of my mentors, Glenn Johnson, back in Detroit, Grose Hill, where I grew up, an island in the Detroit River. And I was thinking about the wonderful things that happen on Facebook, first of all, just just being able to be in touch with people from the past, I love it and and share so much but Andrew Johnson, who uh, I see posts all the time that I want to answer and I want to you know say comment to him. And I've just kind of gotten to know him through Facebook, and he grew up in Groesel and different things. And he's he's got a band called Howlin' Mercy, I believe it is, that plays at Motor City Casino. And he's got his day job, and and really had fun getting to know him. My best friend Kathy Brockmiller, and her family—they love to dance to him, and so I, I love Andrew's posts. And and one day he had up that his his uncle Glenn had passed away, and I had no idea he was Andrew's uncle. And Glenn was a great mentor of mine. I had just called Glenn about a week before, so to say hello and tell him thank you for everything. And I was inspired by a a photograph I had taken off a TV on the Golf Channel of when uh, Arnold Palmer won the U.S. Amateur at the Country Club of Detroit. And I wanted to ask Glenn, was that you in the photo with Arnold and Winnie back in 1950-something? And um, so... uh, that's why I had called Glenn a couple of weeks before he had passed away. And he said, will you call me back later? My, I've got the doctor here. He's got some challenges. And to connect Andrew and Glenn. And I, I love that about life, of, of getting to, to see people's extended families and the history of them and and a lot of that went on for me this week at the uh, Waimea Ocean Film Festival. I learned so much about the history of Hawaii and people I've known here, learned more about their history, the Bertelmans, all the people in the Paniolo uh, uh, world. Uh, it made such a difference. And I, I was just so much history was filled in, and history of people's stories and their lives. So with Andrew, uh, to discover that he is Glenn's nephew. And Andrew posted about how he had a paper route, and he went on Bellevue Street. And people chimed in about when they had paper routes on Gros Hill, and I did too as a kid. I delivered the Trenton Times and the, the Wyandotte News Herald. And um favorite thing to do was when I would collect, I'd go to a place called Four Corners Meet and eat. It was just sort of a, a hangout on the corner where people went to the free bridge It took people to Trenton, the neighboring community, and downriver Detroit, and uh, I would take my collection money and had a certain amount of it of maybe a dollar and ten cents or something. We'd get a hot dog, a Coke, go sit in the back table of this little meat meat, had a counter, and then about eight tables, but Glenn was always in there with uh, the greenskeeper from Grozeal, Jack Lorenz, and other people, and uh, it was the way he he lived his life and sold insurance and had a successful business, everything that he did. But I used to love to go in there and watch those guys sitting at the counter talking, but I'd plug my quarters into the jukebox, and that's where I learned to love country-western music. And it was just a, a low-key hangout. I think I actually, that's how I learned to love those kind of places. But all through the 50 years I've known Glenn, since I was 10 years old, more than 50 years uh, he, I, I've always known him to be someone that went to the local bakery and sat with people and told story and talked story. And so there are a lot of things I learned from Glenn, but mostly I learned to be proud of being a female athlete as a, a kid growing up in this, in the fifties and sixties that you weren't, you know, my parents were real supportive of me being an athlete and the boys in the neighborhood and stuff, but the system didn't encourage it as much as like it does now. So Uh, Glenn was a wonderful mentor all through my golf days and my wanting to be on the LPGA and gosh quit golf for many years came here to Hawaii and after many years of being here and covering golf and everything decided to play again and went and played some events on the futures tour when all you needed to do then was turn in your entry fee but when I had some tournaments in Detroit Glenn was right out there watching me and called me and had me come over and Get a putting lesson, and every time I, for those who do play golf, every time I putt and do a forward press, I think of Glenn, because he always encourages that, and I'm putting with the old bullseye putter I putted with as a kid when he would, would mentor me. So that's what I love about the game of golf, and I love about mentors that have been in my life in many ways. And Jack Berry, who I get onto the story here, Jack Berry, a longtime sports writer in Detroit, also on the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame, uh has, has been a long-time friend, and I think he wrote the first story about me when I was a kid. I can't remember if it was golf or tennis, but uh, so I've known him. He's running my races, the Emily Detroit Runs. He's 50 years, sports writer, covered everything. But um, that's who we're going to talk with, and uh, he's a mentor as well. So it's it's fun to keep it all connected and, and do some storytelling here on the Emily Gale Show, ESPN, Hawaii.com.
3: To talk to him about the golf and every sport you can imagine. He spent 50 years as a sports writer and continues today writing about golf and all kinds of sports. But Jack Barry, he's talking to Jack. He's in Detroit this morning and with uh, in that cold, cold weather, fighting a cold. But I really appreciate you talking this morning, Jack.
4: Okay, Emily, I'm ready.
3: Okay, well Jack, we usually are talking all about the season coming up, but recently a mutual friend of ours passed away, someone I talk about a lot, Glenn Johnson. He was my mentor and, and a dear friend for many years. He recently passed away at ninety two and Jack called me and said, Hey, do you have a comment you'd like to make? And Jack wrote a wonderful story for uh the Michigan golfer. And um, you know, there's so many things to say about you, Jack, that as I was I thought I knew so much about Glenn because he is a young kid. He well, so uh, tell old,
4: me when when you first met him, when you first had a lesson from him. Well,
3: uh, well my family, we remember the Grosville Golf and Country Club, and, and Glenn, of course, uh, grew up on Grosjeel, and uh, he was he was always around junior golf when we had junior golf. And, he, and I was a good athlete. I was a good tennis player. Uh, I played basketball with the boys, and Glenn never discouraged me. You know, it was an era where you, where girls really weren't that encouraged to do to excel in sports. I, you know, compared to today. And uh, so I was probably ten years old when I first met him. And his he and his wife were friends with my parents and the whole Grozil gang. And you know, it was after the the war they kind of all met and it carried on. So as a little as a young kid and then as I started playing golf he was just so supportive and he would meet me out in the putting green and as I'm I'm reading stories and um people that have signed the guest book at the uh funeral home, you know, he, he did that with hundreds <laughs> of of people probably over the years. So, you know, I'd share how you met Glenn.
4: Well he was a great personality, though, without doubt. Um uh... Good-looking guy, and uh, as we both know, one of the flashiest dressers you've ever seen. I said in the story that I wrote that uh, the tour had Doug Sanders, and the LPGA has Paula Kramer, and and the Europeans have Ian Poulter, and we had uh, Glenn Johnson, who who really put color in the game.
3: And and he did in so many ways, and at the same time, it wasn't always about Glenn. And as I was going through and uh, googling stories, like when he was inducted into the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame, let's see, that was back in what nineteen? Oh, I got so many notes here. Uh, well, he was in the
4: second class. The, the first uh, first class uh, was uh, three guys: Walter Hagen, who uh, I'm sure everybody. Remembers the Hague, and who also was the first uh, pro at uh, Oakland Hills Country Club, as well as being one of the greatest players of all time, and Chuck Cosis, who won six Michigan Amateurs, and uh, Al Watras, who was a longtime pro at uh, at Oakland Hills, and then the second the second class going in, Glenn was in there with five uh Michigan amateurs just one less than uh, Chuck Kosas and they were kind of uh well a little bit kind of com combatants over the years. Uh uh Glenn was uh Glenn was the guy who was sparkly funny, uh happy go lucky and everything whereas, whereas Chuck Kosas was uh, quite reserved, let's say, uh, on the golf course and all. He wasn't uh Chuck was uh kind of Stuck to business all the time. Glenn, Glenn was the guy who, who everybody knew he was there.
3: Isn't that the truth? And as I was uh, looking through things, uh, the uh, induction ceremonies. Um, you you covered him a lot over the years. And when you were inducted into the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame in two thousand what two thousand and three. Of course, I think one of the greatest accolades you got was your Lifetime Achievement Award uh, down at the Masters and getting your own parking space.
4: So, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that was. So, listen, for for sports writers, getting a parking place is real important. <laughs> so, <laughs> but
3: one of the lines in, in your uh, the, the, the bio for you when you were inducted to in the Hall of Fame it said. Covering golf for many years allowed Jack to bear witness to some of the great events in golf. Well, I think Glenn was one of the great people in golf, and certainly in Michigan. He had a whole lot to do with, as you did too, putting golf in Michigan on the map. People really take awareness of, of the, uh, the the golf courses that are there. What are they, like 900 courses or something? But Glenn, I mean, he played in what was it? Uh, he won the Michigan State Amateur five times. Uh, before he even played golf, he went to Michigan State. He was the varsity quarterback in '41 and '42. Then he was a pilot in the war and then came back in 1945. So that explains why, as we were all going through high school, Glenn attended everything. He attended every football game, basketball game. He would he would slide in there. You know, the joke was, where would he park his Cadillac? You know, and,
4: yeah. <laughs> and uh,
3: show up, to be supportive of whatever it was sport, you know, the local sport on Grosville High School. And I understand he really had a lot to do with the golf team as well. And they have won so many state championships of the recent years, or, you know, in the 90s, I think it was, but in 2000. Right. But. Some of the some of the things he did, like let's see, even just in uh, shaping golf in the northern Michigan, I remember Glenn talking to me about how he was trying to convince Edward Kercher to to hold an event on Labor Day up at Boyne Mountain because it was quiet, and then the, right. the Memorial Day. So to talk about those events, the kind of thing. Well, he became uh, he, Everett,
4: he became a very good friend of Everett uh, over the years, and. Uh, Everett was a great sportsman uh fisherman uh you know uh skier he started the uh northern mission skiing really and and uh he was not a golfer until somebody said uh, you have got all this land here and you're waiting for the snow to come. Why don't you build a golf course so he did build a golf course then glenn when uh, that was built, Glenn talked him into said you know it's Deadsville around here." At Labor Day, you ought to have a tournament. So they started <laughs> started the uh, Kircher Cup, and which is turned into uh, you know a two man uh, event, and uh, all the best uh, best guys in the state and, and from other states. The people that Glenn knew because he you know he played like a a uh, an amateur tour around the country playing on different different events and. Uh, Actually, he was one of the founders of the uh, Society of Seniors. So there was—he always had a lot of friends, and that—that that, uh, they packed the place uh, on the Labor Day weekends over over the years. And and uh, Glenn had Everett down. Everett had—I uh, don't know if he—if he had the seaplane at that time. At one time, he had an amphibian that he'd fly up to. Uh, fish in the lakes up in uh, northern Ontario, but he came down one time. He wanted to fish walleyes, so he wanted uh, Glenn to take him out. Now Glenn took him out on uh, out in Lake Erie, and Everett uh, was uh, <coughs> caught everything everything in sight. And Nick Glenn said that he caught something like 18 fish, 18 walleyes, and put him in the put them on ice. And uh, he didn't share it with the guys that uh, took him out fishing, <laughs> including Glenn, and put him in his airplane and flew back up north. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but they, they, remained, they, they remained friends for years, and, uh, and Glenn's right. friends, of course, with Everett's son, Stephen. And I remember Everett Kircher because my father provided the music for Boyne Mountain. My father was a, the booking agent, you know, with Gale and Rice. and. And so that's where I remember David talking all the time about Everett Kircher And it's all a big part when you think about it. And you've covered this stuff for years as you have so many things over the years. I mean, the number of – not just in golf, but uh, uh, Red Wings. Now, Glenn was a, an avid Red Wing fan. I remember when he'd go down to Olympia. I mean, I think he probably yep. had these tickets forever.
4: Yeah, yeah. you seems see him sometimes, sometimes when they'd uh, have pictures uh, – uh, behind the, uh, you know, a, a shot on goal, or something like that, showed, showed the goalkeeper and people around, and they showed the first couple rows of uh, of uh, fans were in, uh, right behind the goal, and there would be Glenn.
3: Yeah, if, if I recall, he was quite proud of those seats. <laughs> <laughs> so tell the story. Now, I always wondered how he became friends with Arnold Palmer, but I kind of knew because I remember Arnold Palmer playing at Gros Heel. And I thought he was doing an exhibition, but now through research, I realized that Arnold was probably playing in the Invitational at the time or something. Arnold was, was in the Coast Guard. He was stationed in Cleveland, and that's when Glenn met Arnold, when he was an amateur, of course. And he played correct. in the They remained friends, and, and Glenn was great at meeting people and remaining friends with people. But I love the story about when he qualified. Uh, I think he beat Jim Thorpe's uh Brother,
4: wasn't it to qualify for the the U.S. Open? Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul, uh, going back, uh, uh, Arnold won the U.S. Amateur at uh, over a country club in Detroit. So he yes, had an, yes. he had been playing in the uh, the Grocio Invitational. At at that time, uh, there were about three clubs that had really outstanding uh, amateurs or uh, pro-ams. And Grocio was one of them. It was it you know? Yeah, and um, not a pro am, the Invitational. And Meadowbrook and I think Red Run had one. There were only about three clubs, but they got all the top top people uh, in play, and and they managed to get Arnold in there too. So he was a yeah. long, you know, he became friendly with them, and then when he finally. Uh, uh, that was a 1972 Open out at uh, Pebble Beach, and uh, Glenn qualified at Birmingham Country Club here in the sectional. He played uh, Jim Thorpe, or I mean, not Jim, Jim's uh, brother Chuck, Chuck Thorpe. Chuck was a Chuck was a real character, <laughs> and and he could hit the ball like. A long way, and Glenn was not, Glenn never was a big hitter. Glenn was um, always played smart. He was golf, you know, he was a great course manager, and uh, he, he uh, you know, he made the most of, of uh, his talent. And it looked like uh, they were tied at the end of the uh, 36 holes of stroke play qualifying, and uh, so on the first hole, a par five. He figured that Thorpe was going to kill Glenn on that because uh, he could practice, you know, he could reach the green in two with no problem. Well, Glenn just managed to get a par, and gee whiz, so did <laughs> so did Thorpe. So they go to the second hole, which is a relatively short par four at the time, which you would figure that uh, Thorpe would have big uh, advantage again, and instead he bogeyed it, and. Uh, Glenn makes it, and so he's going to Pebble Beach, and he knows that Arnold's going to be there. And he called him up and said, you know, you think we could have a have a practice, you know, one of the practice rounds together? And Arnold said, sure. So he played with Arnold not only on uh, Monday and Tuesday out there, but he also uh, then he played with uh, uh, Lee Trevino, had was the defending champion, had beaten Jack Nicklaus, I think, the year before. And uh, Trevino had a bad cold and some, something, some health problem, and, and wondered whether he was going to play or not. So on Wednesday afternoon, Trevino hadn't played a, a practice round at all to that point, and he shows up and he's there and, and uh, on the practice screen, and and uh, Glenn says, uh, you know. Might I play along with you? And so he, play, so he played with uh, Trevino the practice round on Wednesday. So on three days here he is. He plays uh, three rounds with you know, two of the greatest players the game is known: Arnold hey. Palmer and Lee Trevino. You think that that, that wouldn't make everybody uh, uh, very envious? Uh, it was a, a terrific time.
3: And, and he was very colorful when he would tell not only that story, but many stories. You know, I found out about a passing by, I seen it on Facebook of someone, his name is Andrew Johnson. He's a great, got a great blues band and from Grove And he said, it's my uncle Glenn. I was like, Oh my God, Andrew, I had no idea you, the, the singer of Howl and Mercy was, you're the nephew of Glenn Johnson. He must have loved your music and tell me more. And I, and, and I was just watching what he posted about how Glenn would pull his Cadillac out and give his boys 30-minute golf clinics, and, and, you know, that's the way he was, and he loved to hang out at local coffee shops. When I was a kid, I had a paper route on uh, Belle on Gros and I'd ride my bike and deliver the papers, and I'd go to a place called Meet Me Four Corners. You may remember it, you know, it was right there in the corner to come up the, the free bridge to Gros and Len was always sitting there with kind of, uh, the greenskeeper of Gros Jack the Lens, and that, that's who he loved to hang out with, and yet... He was a a very successful insurance agent whose whose office was in Detroit. He loved Detroit. In those days, he just was such an advocate of of Detroit, and that's why he was always very supportive of me and my insurance agent for Emily's Across the Street, but it was more that he was encouraging of it. But he loved to sit in the local coffee shops. And when I looked this morning, I saw the, the Island Coney on Grozeal had a picture of him. With his uh, Spartan sweatshirt on, sitting in the booth, and, and how many times over the all the years I knew Glenn, would I see him in the little local coffee shop or the local bakery, sitting with a group of people, chatting and stuff. You know, he, he was not prete- he was pretentious, but in a very just Glenn sort of way. And I I love that story about the open because it's so typical of Glenn to take an opportunity. And make it playful yep. and fun and memorable. And he not only did that for himself, but he did that for me many times too. He just had a way of shaping things around him that were that were memorable.
4: Well, it was neat. His uh, partner was Bill Prue, and uh, Bill was a uh, a uh, champion swimmer at the University of Michigan. So. <laughs> Here was Bill, who was a Michigan man, and Glenn was a Spartan, and uh, they had a very successful business together and played golf together. Uh, uh, Bill belonged to Oakland Hills, and and, uh, Glenn was downriver there at uh, Grow Seal. Two two really terrific guys.
3: And I looked up, I I Googled a, a Detroit Athletic called Beavers, because if I recall, Glenn was a member of the Beavers. Weren't they the swimmers, and Bill got Glenn into swimming? Or he was a swimmer anyway, but uh, you know, he was... I think Glenn was
4: a member of everything. (laughs) That's true.
3: But (laughs) Bill Poo, Tom Rex, Pete Green, all of those people were were friends of mine when I played amateur golf around Detroit, and and of course, that was the heyday for so many of them, And, and what great things they did for the game of golf, and Glenn, you know, just Googling and reading whether it's the Grosio High School golf team that he was always around to help them, and, and he would watch their play, and then kind of I noticed it in a story. It said that he would sit with them after their matches and critique their play. Well, that was kind of how Glenn was. <laughs> you either loved him for his critiquing of the way you were living your life, or you, you didn't, you know. <laughs> but it was always born out of him really caring, which, which sure, you know, comment on that.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um let me get let me get a little water for my throat here. Okay.
3: So Jack, I was surprised to see just how much you did interact and I, I loved the video at the uh golf uh, Michigan Hall of Fame inductee for uh, Glenn Johnson and uh, uh Great Lakes Sports publication, Michigan Golfer. Joshua does Michigan runner, and my longtime friend Art McCafferty and Jeannie, and you're with them and what I saw that video and I just thought, wow. All the contributions that uh, Great Lakes Sports Publications has made in the world of golf over the last thirty years, and and, and Glenn must have loved that you guys were out there covering it as you were, and as it. Well, that done. that was
4: uh, that was at the one hundred uh, Michigan Amateur Championship, and it was up at Boyne. It was on the uh, Heather course, the Robert Trent Jones course at uh, at uh, at uh, Wine Highlands. And they had, on the first tee ceremonial, uh, they had Glenn and they had Pete Green, who won, what, about four Michigan amateurs, and Bud Stevens, another Michigan amateur champion. And so so <laughs> those two guys teed off. And then they said, how about you, uh, Glenn? You're going to have Glenn do it? And, they, and he just goes up there and says, no, he says, I don't wanna show those young guys up. <laughs> he he was not uh playing golf, uh at, you know, up to you know, a few years ago he had, had uh he had, had a stroke and, and um uh, you know, things weren't weren't uh, hunky dory as far as his health was concerned, but uh, that was a that was one of the most enjoyable times that uh, Interviews that I've had was just sitting on that bench there and talking about uh, all all of Glenn's memories. And, uh,
3: well, I spent many hours talking with with uh, Glenn, and I I would call him a couple times a year over the last few years. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, he really it all came to him. You know, it was Emily and, and Chad, and then. It's, a couple of weeks before he passed away, I called and, and I was really pleased to hear his voice. was sounded pretty healthy. Emily, dear, where are you? And he said, "Hey, can you call me back? I'm my doctor's here. I've got some challenges or something like that." And I said, "Yeah, okay, but I just want you to know how much I appreciate everything." And uh, it, I just I was uh, so surprised to, to hear you passed away. But he lived a he lived a good life, and I I look back at all the different ways that. Uh, that he contributed in all kinds of communities and in all kinds of sports and um you know everybody should be able to kind of say they they live that that kind of life I think he loved, right. it. He, loved living. he he had yeah. he loved people on the water and taking people out on his boat and um just a just a playful guy really yeah. really special, so nice that i I thought about it over the years, how much you must have interacted but in reference to Great Lakes Sports Publications, I'm sure that he must have felt really good to see that someone was covering golf the way you you all did over the years. Well, uh, Because those are the kind of things that made that Memorial Cup successful and the Kircher Cup, you know, somebody talking about it and partnering with a guy like Len and Everett Kircher and and, uh, the development of golf has really been, uh, that's been all part of it, hasn't it, golf in Michigan?
4: It's uh, still doing well. Some people think that, oh, you know, they're uh, you know a little bit down. We did have a couple bad years, of course, uh, sort of General Motors, and uh, <laughs> but uh, things have been coming back. Uh, uh, junior golf has been picking up uh, very nicely. I mean, the Michigan PGA has uh, had it with the uh, junior junior golf league. They like doubled the. Uh, Number of kids that got involved in that the uh, uh, chip uh, or the drive chip and, and putt uh, program that the Augusta National, the USGA, and the PGA of America started. Now that's in every state in the in the country. Uh, so there's, and high school golf is you know getting bigger and bigger. The college golf's getting bigger and bigger. So uh, I think we're still going to be playing for a few more years. Well,
3: both you and Glenn, a lot of contributions to the world of golf. I, I was uh, surprised I read somewhere something I didn't know about you was that you had you had a whole lot to do with getting uh, uh, women in Augusta National at the Masters into the locker room. Yes, that's
4: but the that, man, cord
3: Hart. That was when you were the president of the off Association of Michigan. So we have lots to talk about. We'll catch up with each other next week and really get into uh, what's happening on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour. Of course, the uh, Hyundai Tournament Champions going on this week and, and, um uh, just a lot to talk about. So we'll, I really appreciate the chance to, to just uh, kind of reflect back on, on Glenn Johnson, our long-time friend and mutual friend, and someone that uh, I think we'll both realize is, you know, that put some color into our lives too. Absolutely. Yeah. Good
4: talking with you. Good
3: okay, talking with you.
4: Yeah.
3: And one more thing. One more thing. Did you get the photograph I sent yesterday? It was a picture of the Golf Channel ran the special on Arnold Palmer, and when he won the, the U.S. Amateur at the Country Club of Detroit, there was a picture of Arnold and Winnie. Arnold's arm around Winnie, and his other arm around who I thought looked just like Glenn. I sent you the picture yesterday. So you see if you can tell me if that was Glenn. That's right. That was the other reason I called Glenn a couple of weeks ago, was I wanted to ask him, was that you with, with Arnold? Because it would be just like Glenn, to be there with Arnold and celebrating his victory. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right, I'll look for
3: it. Okay, all right. a pleasure to always talk with you. Jack Barry, longtime sports writer in Detroit, mutual friend of... Uh, so My mentor and friend, Glenn Johnson, who passed away recently, just fun to reflect back on Glenn's life together.
0: Well, a couple events coming up I, I want to mention. Uh, first of all, coming up at the Huala Lai, four seasons Huala Lai, the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Huala Lai is January 21st through the 25th. And, gosh, I think this is the 18th year, always raising lots of funds for the Rotary Club of Kona Community Foundation, Big Island Junior Golf, and the Daniel Sayre Foundation. That one's very close to my heart, Daniel Sayre Foundation. And it is uh, the season opening event for the PGA Champions Tour. So, after all these years, we see a lot of the same players coming back, which is nice because we've all had a chance to get to know some of those players and... And that's always a lot of fun. So just to, to mention an advanced purchase for tickets, uh, pgatour.com slash MEC, Mitsubishi Electric Championship, that stands for. And it's just $15 for a one-day pass, but just $30 for all week if you get the advanced tickets. But out at the gate, it's going to be $20 one day, 35 for the whole tournament. It'll be broadcast on the Golf channel. It's always fun to be out at the event and then catch it on TV in the evening. Or or record it and take a and look at it, and you've been there, you know. So that's always a lot of fun to have been at the tournament, and then get a chance to, to see what they how they showed it on TV. So uh, a great a nice a nice field once again. Bernhard Langer defending, and let's see some of the people: Roger Chapman, John Cook, Fred Couples, uh, Brad Faxon, Fred Funk, Jay Haas. A lot of these people we've seen. They've qualified and gotten their opportunity to play in the event. Tom Lehman, Jeff Maggert, Colin Montgomery. That'll be fun to see Colin. Rocco Mediate, last year, I think, was, last year, was his first year. Um, so Tom Watson, of course, a resident out there at Hualalai. Really nice to see in the sponsor exemptions. Uh, ben Crenshaw, Hale Irwin. Hale, while wow, he represented Kapalua way, way back, probably goes back 30 years ago, one of the first to represent Hawaii, as was uh, Lanny Watkins, who represented uh, the Montalani Resort way back in the day when Bester Bustamani was the director of golf out at Montalani? But Peter Jacobson, nice to see him coming back to play, and he seems to be in much better health. He's, I think, his hip problems this has been his challenge, but he's doing a lot of commentating for the Golf Channel. And Peter used to represent Waikoloa Beach Resort on the PGA Tour. Was always very good to me. I remember uh, covering him when he. Well, from here, but also when he won the uh, Pebble Beach. It was a a rain-shortened event, but he was the champion. And I remember once asking him, I was out there, I was covering the event, and asked him if he could do an interview. And he said, oh, I've got basketball practice with my son, Mickey. I don't know if I can. And he ended up calling me from a phone booth. This was long before the days of us all having cell phones like we do now. And then I heard him the other night a uh, day on the golf channel talking about a son who's twenty-nine years old now. So nice to uh see uh Peter coming back. I'm really glad for that. And who else? Uh Nick Price, Curtis Strange, Corey Pavin. Just a good field out there at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai. And again, you can get tickets, advanced tickets, or you I see some promotions too. Uh Kelly Fleer, a tournament manager, always creating some nice um uh, um, cooperative things with KTA and different uh, vendors where you can get a free ticket if you buy a certain amount of product and uh, at the grocery stores. So, nice lead up to it and a wonderful and stellar job done by the Rotary Club of Kona providing the volunteers and I go back way back at the very beginning, helping get volunteers for the Mitsubishi. It's nice to see so many of those people still around. Chris Hazard and uh, Larry Webb doing a great job organizing all the volunteers. So that's January 21st through the 24th. And I appreciate my longtime relationship with the PGA uh, Tour and the Mitsubishi Electric Championship working together. So let's see uh, another event coming up is the uh, Wynonna Chen and Bike Works Bike Works, uh, Beach and Sport out at the Queen's Marketplace. But a particular event coming up at Waikoloa Beach Resort, but being hosted by Kona Beach and Sport and Wynonna Chen. They had a a real success at Anahoomalu Bay a couple months ago with a training triathlon, so they're going to do it again Saturday, January 24th, 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., again out at Anahoomalu Bay Beach at the Waikloa Beach Resort, and it is the sprint distance. It's a swim 300-yard, bike 14-mile, and a run 2.2-mile. And what they're doing is they're uh, offering an aid station with nutrition at the A-Bay parking lot, or Naho'o-Mahulu Bay, beach, parking lot, in support of Tri-Hawaii's Olympic distance triathlons. So they're combining their efforts together and going to have two distances, and uh, these are complementary. And apparently, uh, Winona she had, I think, 50, 46, 47 people at the last one and all levels of athletes. So that's a really nice opportunity for anyone to want to get kind of familiar with the – uh, triathlon and I, just to give you a sense of what it's like to take transition what you might think about with nutrition and not competitive unless you want to make it competitive but um the last one i'm sure this one too finishes up with a with a potluck so again that's going to be on saturday january 24th and you can go to uh, aloha tri sport spring training triathlon on facebook winona chen so good for her for organizing that. That's her way of giving back. And also for Kona Beach and Sport down on Elite Drive. That was the first store that Grant Miller opened up. So Grant and Janet Higa Miller now have the three stores. And longtime friends and longtime supporters of the Emily Gale Show. I really appreciate that. Wayaha River Coffee. Chick, Dinah, Earl, everyone. Chick, big fan of the Mitsubishi Electric Championship. He's made some, some real friends out there with J. Don Blake and... I think Ben Crenshaw, and he even has a little thing going with Tom Watson in terms of. Uh, I think Tom has always given him a nice big smile, and this ch- chick is generous with his coffee. And uh, he used to go fishing out at Four Seasons long before the Four Seasons was built. And uh, when I took him out there a few years back, he was pretty stunned at um, the Four Seasons, and and uh, just took it took to watching the tournament and being a fan of it. And But Waiaha River Coffee, long-time friends and supporters of the Emily T. Gale Show, but long-time personal friends of mine, going way back to when I moved to Hawaii, the whole Kunitake Ohana, I've spent a lot of time with them, and um, we've all gone through our ups and downs, and and challenges and successes and just really fun to be be friends with them and uh learned a lot about the local lifestyle from them and i think they've learned some things from me so uh voyaja river coffee really appreciate their longtime support and they've got plenty of coffee dinah up at dinah's in halua loa right across from the halua loa gallery matt and mary love lovin who have been so such great friends to the kunatakis as well um Dinah has plenty of Wayaha River coffee, or you can go to com or send Dinah an email at Dinah at Kona and she'll send it out anywhere in the world. But I would recommend going up to Halualoa. They have a, it's a wonderful little town with lots of little shops and places to eat and a nice place to take your visiting friends just three miles above Kailua Kona, which is another place I would highly recommend, the village of Kailua Kona. And those are all both wonderful places to take your recreational walk. It doesn't have to always be out at a park or a certain route. You can work a walk into seeing our, our community as well. Been putting some shows on uh, Naleo, o Hawaii, Channel 53. So I've got uh, looking back at the 2014 Mitsubishi Electric Championship, and that's going to be um, all next week. There'll be some shows. And those shows are airing on Channel Fifty Three or streaming at Naleo TV, uh, Naleo.tv, Naleo dot TV, Naleo N A L E O dot TV. And we're running that show, gosh, probably a dozen times over the next week or two. So you can get look in their schedule at Naleo.tv. TV. But um, just to give you a couple of them, there's like um, a week from let's see. January uh, 14th, 8.30 p.m., and Saturday, January 17th, 8 p.m., Sunday, January 18th, 6 to 7.30. Also uh, showing a show with uh, Hawaii Wildlife, so that is uh, Emily T. Gale Talk TV, those shows. Appreciate all the effort at Naleo, uh Public Access TV for uh, helping us uh, get our shows on TV. It's really uh, fun. It's challenging. Uh, Time-consuming, and but very worthwhile to be uh, getting the shows, producing them, and creating them, and being the host. And I, I love being a storyteller. Lots of great things going on in the community with the Waikoloa Dry Forest, um, the uh, uh, Kona uh, Table Tennis Club meeting down at the old at the uh, gymnasium in. The community bike rides that leave from Wycloa Beach Resort, Bike Works, Beach & Sport, there at Queen's Marketplace every Tuesday. So the Kona Surf Festival is, uh, let's see, January 30th and 31st. And uh, Shane Dorian's uh, Keiki surf meet is sometime around then, too. Hopefully we get with Shane Dorian. Big wave surfer and from the Big Island. And, uh, wow, what a career he's had for 20, 30 years 20 years at least. And uh, so lots of great. The film festivals are great. And then, of course, coming up in April is the Big Island Film Festival, Jan and Leo Sears, their event. So I've, I've, I really I love the the film festivals. They've put a lot of effort into making them um, just to be a great place to for filmmakers to showcase their films and for those of us that get a chance to see the films, they'll learn an awful lot about what's going on around in Hawaii and the ocean, everywhere. So... Kudos to everybody that puts all that good energy into the film festivals. So kudos to uh, everyone at ESPN Radio, am eight fifteen Hilo AM790 in Kona, the Pacific Radio Group, Kappa Radio, Native FM, and Big Radio, all of which are a part of uh, where ESPN, Hawaii.com is a part of, and I'm proud to be a, a part of that, and I appreciate everyone For listening to the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com, aloha.